Is there any candidate you're excited to vote for? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Do you mind saying who it is? I don't know. It may start a riot. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm going to vote for my man, Trump. Ain't none of the rest of them did. So I might as well take a chance with the good old white boy. I'm excited about Hillary. I really think that she brings a different element to, um, you know, the political climate. So Donald I'm Trump really looking. Is stupid. <laughs> Donald Trump is stupid. Ted Cruz is the best because he's awesome. His last name is very cool. Uh, Kasich. Uh, he provides an opportunity to work with Democrats. He's done it before. I've been back and forth, but I think I've decided on Bernie. I think mostly the reason is in the last debate um, when fracking came up and Hillary was like, I'm for fracking. And Bernie was just like, this is easy. I'm against fracking. And that's something that's important These are the sounds of Finley Market in Cincinnati, Ohio, just three days before the state's presidential primary election. As we head into one of the most contentious elections in recent memory, a lot of loud noise is being heavily amplified. That noise is unfortunately really angry, even dark. But what are people really feeling and talking about just under the surface? People here at Finley Market are just going about their day, buying their groceries and treats together. While some noted the contentious nature of the upcoming election as an excuse to not speak with us, most were happy to be listened to, and we hope to cut through those loud, angry voices a bit by doing so. So who are we? We're Bellwether, a show looking to lead by listening. I'm Josh Elstro. I am the creator and executive producer of this show, and with me today I've got... Layla Shakui. I am the associate producer for Bellwether. Uh, so Bellwether, what, what is that? So a bellwether is, according to Wikipedia, one that leads or indicates trends. This applies in politics in that we see different states kind of rising to the top like oil, you know, as it were, on water. Um, those states being the ones that will indicate the political trend for the season, for the um, race that's happening this year. That would be our presidential race. Yeah. So the way I think of this in my recent memory uh, I think of Hamilton County or Cincinnati as a bellwether in specifically the 2012 election. Uh, on election night, I remember being in a bar with a bunch of people were watching in Ohio, uh, as some people say, so goes Ohio, so goes the nation. That's sort of saying Ohio is a bellwether for uh, the presidential election. But more specifically, we're watching as the pre precincts are coming in, each county is being counted. And my personal memory is, you know, uh, Hamilton County turned blue. Instantly, that turned all of Ohio blue, and that meant Barack Obama was president for four more years. So it felt like, wow, we were the ones who just decided that. Yes, absolutely. That is incredibly accurate. And I think that a lot of us felt that way. I know I certainly did when I was also watching the election results roll in for that year, um, also at a bar locally, and thinking what power that, that means. Yeah. Um, so this isn't necessarily like a political show. This just was kind of the time and place to start was with this political story. Uh, so let me explain what we're really going to try to do here. We're looking to tell stories that ask or answer the following about our community. Where is our city already a leading example of things done right? Uh, what should we change so we can be a leading example for others moving forward? 
where are we a leading indicator for social, political, and lifestyle trends? And where should we be moving forward? So for today's show, as we reach the finish line of primary season in Ohio, we're going to continue examining the tension around supporters of two particular presidential candidates. And our other story is looking to figure out why it's so difficult for everyone else to get excited about anything going on in the middle. So let's get into our first story produced by Josh, the father, the son, and the stereotyping of presidential candidate supporters. Just days before the Ohio primary, I'm visiting two Ohio voters, Robbie and John, in one of their homes. Hey, Josh, hey what's going? happening, dude? Hey, guys. We are at Robbie's house. It's known in his community as the Eco House. This intentional community home in Cincinnati's urban core focuses on being as green as possible. At face value, it's as hippie as it sounds. Chickens in the backyard, low flow everything, rain collection, and so on. However, Robbie and John are both veterans of the United States military. Well, I guess uh, I'm a full-time college student right now, but I was in the Air Force for six years. That's Robbie. Um, I went in the military, Marine Corps, for four years. And that's John, Robbie's dad, whose service was in Vietnam. In his working career as an electrical engineer, John worked union jobs and had been a business owner. They both seem to agree that their experience seeing the world in the military has shaped some of their own political views. I got to travel the world extensively during that time and after that time to include like 30 countries and all 48 continental states. I've traveled around the country to, uh, I've been to 14 different countries, uh, seen a lot of different you know, walks of life. So going from, you know, maybe like very different environments around the world, from a military environment to a college environment and different cultures and everything in between, I think gives me um, a different perspective than maybe other people have. For obvious reasons, issues like veterans' access to quality health care are important to both of them. Definitely when the person comes back missing an arm and a leg, they need a hand up and, uh, you, know, we, you know, our government should be doing it. I used to volunteer at the VA, and I just had to stop because it was just hits you in the fields too many times, you know? That being said, I spoke with each of them about their individual support for two very different presidential candidates. What I see as the best candidate for this election coming up is Donald Trump. The main reason I like Mr. Trump is because he is not a politician. I mean, when will we have the chance to vote for someone like Bernie Sanders ever again, you know? So how do we end up here? I asked them to each dive in a bit more to the political issues that are important to them. Equality, compassion, um, sense of justice, consistency. Environment, of course, would be Mm -hmm. a huge one. Women's access to health care. The main issues, I guess I like freedom. I mean, I fought for freedom. I don't like to see big government taking away any of our freedoms. Every war has been fought for our freedom, and it gives you the right to say what you want to say, and then you, there should be laws to govern the bad stuff that happens from what you say. I asked John to give some examples of specific freedoms that have been at risk in recent history. It seems his stance is the bigger the government the easier it is for them to harm the freedoms we've been guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, uh, Snowden brought up the fact that, that you know, they're spying on us. You know, their own, our own people are spying on us. You know, we're really, really going to extremes. 
And that's because of a big government. Mm-hmm. And if you had a small government, you couldn't do that. With that in mind, this is how John lands his support on Trump. You know, he is a businessman. He's going to bring different thoughts to the table than what the politicians are going to bring. He's not indebted to anyone as far as getting bribes from the corporate sponsors. Probably the rest of them are, are really yes men for the Republican Party. If you so much as turned on a TV or opened a newspaper in the past several months, you likely have a strong opinion of what an average Donald Trump voter is like. If not, chances are you might have a strong opinion of what you think a Bernie Sanders voter is like. John assures that's not the case in his support of Mr. Trump. I am not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. Um, So I really try to choose the best person, I think, for the job. That being said, John was also happy to address how he handles Trump's public and debate behavior that many deem to be politically incorrect or non-presidential. When I do watch something, you know, with a debate like on TV, which, you know, definitely if somebody says something that's not nice to him, he flies back with something else that's off the wall, you know. Yeah, he does. You know, so that doesn't mean he's a hothead. That just means he wants to strike back. John seems to have a sort of Machiavellian, the ends justify the means view on Trump's outlandish behavior. When asked how he feels about racial and religious tension created by Trump's behavior, both at home and abroad, he continues on. You know, although he may not be the man that can unite it, he is a smart man. I think that Trump, hopefully by finding jobs for people, it'll give him something to do besides worry about all this other stuff, you know. And it's right about here that he and his son begin to digress. So I think with Trump, like, he has, uh, he's bigoted, he's racist, he's sexist, and that's, if that's your opinion, that's cool, and that really doesn't matter um, at all until you, opinion matters to the general public in the sense that you're running for the presidency of the United States, and that's really scary. Travel, traveling the world, I understand how people are like looking at this and seeing that he's like a possibility of being a front runner for this, and this is just ridiculous to me. No matter what his issues are, on like the maybe on gun control or abortion or something like that, like automatically for me disqualifies him because that like not respecting and not having compassion for other individuals shows you, I think at heart, like what kind of an individual individual he may be. And then like so, why even go to the point of? policies and history and stuff like that when he's doing all these things right now i'm just like that is not okay to be saying we're doing like that's just not okay if you no matter who you are whether you're a billionaire whether you're running for the presidency or not like it's unfortunate that you have a spotlight right now and you're doing these things and that's the most unfortunate thing is that because the world's seeing this happen so then what is it that excites robbie about senator sanders well i mean he was uh head of the veterans committee for a long time and he's done a lot of good stuff with that uh, which is really important to me um, he has a good environmental record, and I'm really excited about the way that he is um, going at the foundations of Citizens United and not taking money from big, from big money, from big cor- corporations. Like, I, I look at, you know, Citizens United as a legal form of bribery, you know? And so it still chisels away at the ability of a candidate to be for the people. John also spent a good amount of time discussing his anger with the ability corporations seem to have to influence our politicians. He said he's trying to help us get some jobs back here. And it seems like everything we get, uh, every business thing that the government does, 
is so that the corporations can get cheaper labor. So if he feels this way and isn't a hardline Republican, then for John, why not Sanders? Probably my number two person that I, I'm looking at see. Yeah, Sanders would probably be my number two guy. Wait, what? Uh, for Sanders, you know, he I think he's been in the Congress 25 years, somewhere around there. Nobody ever heard of Sanders before. And the thing is, until Elizabeth Warren got in and started doing things, you never heard Sanders' name. And all of a sudden, you know, and I don't know all the stuff she's done, but I think I just signed a petition with her name on it and stuff. So some people have just been let down by lifetime politicians so many times, maybe it's just too hard for them to take another chance. He has good reason, too. John was able to point to examples he sees as corporate corruption. He has firsthand experience with it in Ohio's own governor, John Kasich, Trump's most likely Republican competitor in the Ohio primary. After suffering a recent injury that has put him out of work, he blames Kasich for troubles he's had collecting workers' comp. Kasich, which everybody thinks that, you know, he's really, really calm and, you know, collected and all. When I was in workmen, had to try to get workmen's comp. And I, in the state of Ohio, if you get hurt on the job, even if, you, if they cut my legs off or anything, you can't sue them. You know, this is a no-fault state. It's not their fault un- unless they intentionally try to hurt you. But back to John's allegations of Sanders as a career do-nothing politician, Robbie sees it a little differently. Bernie Sanders is speaking as like what he's done for the last 40 years or something like that. And that kind of consensus, consistency in a politician, especially, it's just, it's not, it doesn't happen, you know? And then, and then we see those videos of him getting arrested fighting for civil rights when he was 21. It's just like, that's amazing. Like, this guy's been doing the same thing his entire life. Because, I, you know, I never knew who Bernie Sanders was, was until he announced his presidency. It's always been like, I would vote because it was a lesser of two evils. And this is the mm-hmm. first time that it's ever been, I've actually been excited for a candidate. Uh, I remember reading an article about somebody took a picture of his shoes, and there's normal shoes. Uh, there's the hashtag of Bernie flies coach, and it shows him, you know, flying coach to all these things that he's going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? the presidency of the United States, and it just, I never thought I would ever see a candidate like this in my lifetime. With so many of their concerns and issues overlapping, what can be said for either candidate to sway their non-believers? I discussed with Robbie some of the issues people see with Sanders. Those who dislike him say he sounds angry or he's overpromising free stuff to dupe young, naive voters, but they see it as an attack on their own pocketbooks. Because he does have like a very like, this is the way it is tone. And I think maybe I'm too caught up in it because I do agree with him and the tone. You know, because there are people like he just wants to give us free stuff and trying to get into the like conversation that most people don't want to have when they're swung that far away to like paint him in such a simplistic picture requires a very complicated conversation. And I think they're both angry in their own way. And But he's not, um, I mean, Bernie's a politician, so he has to work with both sides of the aisle. And Trump's uh, views himself as a self-made billionaire. And you can just see it in his rhetoric about, he's just like, oh, like not willing to work with people and cut them off. And yeah, very aggressive in a lot of ways, which I don't think is the way to, that gets a lot of it's not a dictatorship. Back to John, I had to ask how Trump hopes to repair the racial divide his campaign is causing if he's elected. John remains confident that perhaps we're collectively projecting our personal job and economic woes onto other social issues. He also feels confident that sticking with Trump through a general election is the way to go. 
His thought is that an outsider generating an economic upswing will ease those tensions on its own. Here, he's referring to minorities who currently support Trump. Many of them have picked the same deal, you know, because they understand that the problem is not a race problem completely. It may be about a race, but it's not a race problem. It's about an issue like the wall, where it's an issue about how do you protect the United States from jihad attacks and things like that. You know, you have to be careful. It's easy to make assumptions and stereotypes about these candidates' supporters. They're a vocal bunch, inspired by the populist outsider appeal of their candidate. But to assume John's a narrow-minded bigot who's just afraid of immigrants would deny his reasonable, personal concerns for American workers' rights and job growth. To assume Robbie's a naive college kid being wooed by the Pied Piper of free stuff denies the experience he gained traveling the world to serve in our armed forces. For both of them, this election reflects a potentially monumental moment in American politics. Really, we only have two people. We have Trump and we have Bernie Sanders. Everybody else is the same. You know, when we when it gets down to it, every, you know, everybody wants what's going to be better for America. And I truly believe both of these voters and former servicemen want that same thing. Our experiences can cause us all to see different routes to the same destination, though. I'm not one to say that certain candidates wouldn't do a terrible job or others are incapable of doing a good job. But when we spend our time jumping to conclusions, denying the experiences that brought our neighbors or even our own family to their point of view, we can start to forget that at our core, most of us truly want what's best for everyone. After our interviews about their political differences, we all stepped outside to the chicken coop in Robbie's backyard. John's granddaughter, Robbie's niece, fed cabbage to the chickens as the two of them laughed and agreed with each other over veterans' health issues. While their choice of political candidate may differ, Robbie and John have no trouble staying aware of the common ground between them. I find it really interesting that a father and son can be so similar in so many ways, even down to their genetic code, and still have such dichotomous political candidates as their choices for this year. Yeah, you know, it's funny for me because I got to spend time with them and they really talk the same, same facial expressions. And that's something it seems there's a lot of folks our age here in town whose parents have these very different political views than themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And my parents had mostly the same political views that I've ended up with. So this is like still new territory for me. Oh, that's so funny. I I feel like my parents specifically were definitely a mix of both. Um, one being very, you know, conservative, one being very liberal. Um, and I, I don't know, I feel like I was given this kind of gift to just like figure it out on my own, personally speaking. But as far as Cincinnati is concerned, um, yes, there's very much a generational divide. And I also wonder if that's just part of our um, society and just the gap that happens between generations. I don't know. It's definitely like uh, the whole if you're what is it not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. If you're not conservative when you're old, your heart. I don't know. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I do. Yeah. Like the cycle, <laughs> the very. Yes. That it's pretty cyclical. Uh, yes. So it's just always been hard for me to identify. So it's great to hear these stories of. Somebody who they're politically different, 
but when I spend time with them and like it was said in the story, they're both good people who want the best. They just see it different ways. Exactly. Exactly. So what happens to voters who aren't easily swayed by the noise machine? There has to be some people in the middle. Our next story comes from Layla, who was able to find one who ran her down the political gauntlet. Undecided voter, party of many, your candidate is waiting. You know, we've always had semi-political conversations in my family. Um, but it rings in my head. I can hear my dad like saying, like, the men in my family are Republicans while the women are Democrats. Me being, you know, the boy in the family, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a Republican, I guess. And uh, so I did, I, I've been able to vote since 2004. And I, I went to the polls in 2004 and I voted for, for George Bush. You know, I don't think I knew why, but he was the Republican, and that's who I thought I was supposed to vote for, I guess. At the time this segment was recorded, the Republican presidential candidate for 2016 was still undecided. Currently, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, Marco Rubio, and Donald Trump are all still vying for this nomination in a heavily contentious battle to the top. I sat down with Joe, a self-designated Republican, to find out what he thinks of his party's standing in this upcoming election. I would say for myself, I turned away from the Republican Party to last election. I just, uh, I didn't see myself voting for Mitt Romney. His views weren't my views. And I, I didn't vote for Obama either probably a pride thing and I'm not a Democrat, but I also at that point realized I wasn't a Republican. Throughout the course of our conversation, it was evident that Joe is a unique, self-described, socially liberal, fiscally conservative voter who has a hard time aligning himself with, well, any of the current choices for presidential candidate. The six viable candidates we have are garbage. Either side. Either side. I asked Joe to walk me through his perspective on those candidates. Donald Trump is the current frontrunner for the Republican nomination. Here, Joe describes why he thinks Trump has made it to that ranking. You know, he, he's a business guy. Obviously, he's been a pretty successful business person. Uh, but I don't think that translates. He has tricked people into liking him by using short phrases that require no thought. You know, oh, it's going to be good. We're going to bring it back. We're going to do great. You're going to love it. He doesn't actually ever say anything. He has no substance in what he says. Most people have tiny little uh, attention spans. They don't care about the details. You know, we're so surface on, on, on everything that, hey, give it to me straight and and let's move on, that they hear him say, oh, we're going to treat our vets great, we're going to build a giant wall, we're going to, you know, he, he has this very vague way of showing people in America that could be great, but there's no plan in place. He doesn't have a plan. You know, he's saying things to trick people into voting for him. If Trump is leading the pack, Ted Cruz has been hot on his heels in a number of primaries. My issue with Cruz is that he reminds me of a televangelist. 
Uh, you know, he has that real calm voice. He's trying to get, like, my grandparents to vote for him, I think. Like, he... Every, every time he has a discussion, he's, he's talking about God. You know, that very right-wing attitude that I just don't agree with. Once a candidate brings up religion, it, it doesn't totally turn me off, but it does, it just, it makes me cringe at times, you know, when they say they want to take money away from Planned Parenthood because of what they did, it just makes me cringe because they're not doing it because uh, they think it's the right thing to do for people. They're doing it for, uh, to, to make noise. You know, I just, I look at that and it just make, really makes me cringe. And that, that's what I think of Cruz. And I actually think he might be a worse choice than Trump. Trump's trickery and Cruz's cover of religion turned Joe off entirely. So what about Marco Rubio and John Kasich? You know, I don't think Rubio is bad. I think what turned me off with Rubio is that he, he seems kind of puppet-ish. And maybe I read something about his donors or whatever super PACs behind him. Um, that he, he just seems like he's very controlled and not by himself. I watched the last debate. I, I think he had a, a decent debate. But again, he, he played into um, he, he played into the whole I'm going to yell and scream. You know, I, I think he played into that. And that really turns me off as well. You know, it seems so fake. And the thing that kind of turns me off with John Kasich is that he, you know, there are times where he just seems to force this Christian view out of nowhere. And, you know, he says some dumb stuff sometimes. And obviously living in Ohio, we know him a little better. As an undecided voter, Joe is at a crossroads, and neither political party is offering a clear path for him to choose. I think most of our conversation has been on the Republican Party. You know, if we if we turn it around, I, I don't feel like there's a good candidate on that side either, on, on the Democratic side. You know, and that's why I am undecided. I guess I don't see someone who expresses my points of view, obviously being more uh, financially conservative, Bernie right away off the bat. I, you know, I like my money. And, you know, I, I 100% agree that we should help the people who cannot help themselves. What's most important to Joe is being an informed and educated voter. In a political race that is becoming increasingly, and some may say deceptively, myopic, it can be hard to cut through to the heart of each candidate's political agenda. By all means, go with the candidate that supports your point of view. But dive into what they're actually saying. Go onto their websites, read articles, not just the articles that support your point of view on the subject, and do your homework on on your candidates. Because once you do that, like me, coming from being a Republican to being nothing, it may change your mind. It doesn't matter if your grandparents are Republicans who've always voted for their party's candidates. It doesn't matter if your parents are born Democrats and die Democrats. 
It doesn't even matter if you voted one way one time and feel compelled to choose a different path this time. What matters is that this time and every time, you just vote. I am voting. I'm just, you know, I'm being very choosy with who I vote for. I, I will vote for someone. And that's all we can do. So here in Ohio, we'll see you at the primary this coming Tuesday, March 15th. Look me up sometime, look me up sometime. When you try to get up, but get you sit the bed. Look me up when you're done, look me up when you're done. When you're trying to get up, but trying to get fed. But you try me out sometime, but you try me out sometime. And that's it for our pilot episode of Bellwether. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening and checking this out. Uh, Layla and I are not getting any money to do this. We're doing this of our own volition. So uh, other things you could do if you enjoyed this would be to rate it on iTunes, share it with people, tell people about it, or anything that can help spread the word would be great. Or if you have ideas, uh, we're definitely looking for story ideas. We're not going to do any more on a deadline for a while because this was intensely uh, difficult to get out on time. But we would love to hear from you. We don't have any formal contacts, but you can contact me, Josh, at my email, jlstro at me.com. Bellwether is created and produced by Josh Elstro and Layla Shakui. Josh is the technical guru and Bellwether is his brainchild. Layla is a freelance journalist and Josh's creative sidekick. Together, they tell stories that lead. So take a listen and let's see where we go. Gotta get going.